Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. We have allowed ourselves to become so disconnected and ignorant about something that is as intimate as the food that we eat. Be prepared to grow your own for victory. I'm said I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink foamed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadow lark. So God made a farmer. Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbrough, and I'm glad you're back with us again this week. And yeah, I know the podcast is probably coming out a little bit later today than normal. We've had a kind of a rough spell around here. We had a dog that's uh, our family friend we've had for many years, and he's, you know, uh, been sick for a little bit. But uh, yeah, today we, we lost him, and it's been kind of a tough day for us. But uh, you know what? Uh, it's part of life. It's it's even part of homesteading. Uh, you have the loss of animals and things, and I don't make light of it, but also I'm not going to let it, uh, you know, change the flow of life too much. Um, it, it's one of them things, and, you know, my wife takes it a lot harder than I do, of course, but uh, it is something we've had to deal with today. But, you know, uh, it's just the way things are, and I appreciate the kind words, and I, I mentioned it in the Homestead Front Porch Facebook group earlier and had some kind words from some folks, and I appreciate that and uh, loved hearing uh other people talk about uh, the pets they've had in the past as well, and it was encouraging to know that you know um, these these animals they they give us you know a lot of love and and it's awesome to be able to return the favor and give them a great life and uh, yeah they don't live a long time you know we're you're gonna see that a few times in your life we've had this is the third one we've experienced this with and it's never easy it's just never easy but. You know, we'll we'll get past it, and we'll remember him fondly, and uh, we'll just miss him. But thank you to all of you who have had kind words about it. Uh, but hey, I want to up the mood a little bit here. We are, it's a podcast, you know, I don't want to bring everybody down. I'm here to talk about homesteading, and today I've got a great guest on. Um, Jill May is going to be joining me, and she's a homesteader in Ohio, and you'll hear about her journey here in a few minutes, but... Uh, yeah, she has a lot to tell us about what she's doing over there, and I think she has some real encouraging words to say, and uh, yeah, I just enjoy talking to her, so I think you'll enjoy listening to our conversation, so let's just jump right into that. Today, I'm joined by Jill May. Uh, Jill is part of our Homestead Front Porch Facebook group, and uh, she and her family homestead over in Ohio. It's kind of nice to have somebody a little closer to home right now. I'm so used to talking to people in Canada and everywhere else. Uh, uh, Jill, uh, welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. Well, thank you. I'm really excited to talk to you this morning. Yeah, it's good to have you here. Uh, uh, Could you just, uh, you know, I ask everyone who first comes on the show, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey into homesteading? Sure. We are probably, I'm guessing, like I said, you said not too far from you. We're Mm -hmm. in southwest Ohio, um, close to the Ohio-Indiana border, and we have two acres here, and we have lived here about seven and a half years, and I'd say my journey probably started when I was a kid. I was influenced by my grandparents, you know, like a lot of people in their garden and snapping beans on the back porch with grandma on weekends, and um, Mm -hmm. But when we moved here, we really had an opportunity to expand on the smaller gardens and things that we had had, you know, in our smaller homes before. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been a lo- it's been a lot of fun. I have a, my husband and my son, uh, who's a teenager. He is probably not as into it as he used to be, <laughs> but uh, he's into baseball and band and things like that. But um, yeah, really, it started with. Um, I think like maybe a lot of people, it started with the garden. Mm -hmm. And when we bought the property, it had a very large fenced-in garden. And my husband asked if we were going to shrink it down a little bit. 
And I said no, and <laughs> it's 110 by 35, and I think he was a feat, and I think we were both a little intimidated by it. Yeah. Um, but that was probably our first big step was the garden and learning how to process it. Yeah, yeah, that's an important part of it. You can grow it all you want, but if you don't know what to do with it afterwards. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I was a little afraid of pressure canning, and it took me a while to get into it. I had heard the horror stories mm-hmm. of um, an aunt who had green beans in her attic for a year after she blew the lid off her pressure canner, and I was so nervous about it, but it's ended up being a wonderful thing, and I do love to do it. So um, the garden came first, and I think then really learning how to can it and process it came next. Mm-hmm. It, definitely the water bath canning, I thought, was is the best place to start. Oh, yeah. At yeah, least definitely. it was for me. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of the, when I first got into it, it was, you know, making pickles and salsa and things like that, and the water bath mm-hmm. can, canner is a great introduction to that, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And after a couple of years of just water bath canning and putting green beans in the freezer and the corn and um, and whatnot in the freezer, it, it didn't quite taste the way I wanted it to, you know, mm-hmm. and it, freezing is a great way to do it if you don't have a pressure canner, but I just, I didn't have the flavor that I wanted it to, so... Um, it was time to get that uh, get the pressure canner out and learn it, and I'm very glad that I did. Mm-hmm. It's been very helpful. Yeah. Um, along with then the chickens, I think were the next were the next step, and those came after we've been we've had the chickens about three and a half years now, mm-hmm. and um, sell a lot of the eggs. Um, my husband's coworkers buy those up pretty quickly, so we generally don't have any leftover eggs, but. Um, yeah, that was definitely I think, the next step. How many, for how many uh, chickens here. do you have? Right now we have 14, hmm. and uh, we have one rooster and 13 hens, and they are on strike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this time of the year, <laughs> they do. They are. They are on strike. We're getting a couple a day right now, but just like you are, we are super cold here, so mm-hmm. they are they are not impressed. Um we're afraid I think some of them may be done um, with their laying process. A few of them are three years old. They oh, were okay. our original ones. So um, we're thinking we'll probably have to add to our flock this spring. Yeah, you don't do any supplemental light or anything? We don't. Yeah. Um, we've just kind of let them have their winters mm-hmm. to rest, although this has been the first winter they've really done that. The, the past winters we've generally still gotten several eggs a day, and this year they are they are definitely protesting, or they're just done. We had a couple um, of real mild winters in this area the last couple of years, though. That probably helped with we that. We have. We we've been very lucky, mm-hmm. and um, and it hasn't been too bad. But they are they are protesting on us this year. So I think we will <laughs> add some add some chicks next year, which is always fun to, mm-hmm, to yeah. add some new ones. Um, so we have enough room for probably to add about six more. So hopefully we can add about a half a dozen more out there, and. Um, this time of year, they spend their time in our garden when there's not snow on the ground, and we let them root around out there. It's a fenced-in area, so they've got an extra area to to uh, fertilize and um, hopefully eat some weed seeds out and <laughs> yeah, and uh, do some fertilizing for us when uh, while the garden's not planted. Sure, that's a great great idea. Uh, do you normally free range them, or just during this part of the year? We do. We have, um, it's kind of separated into two areas. Um, we have an area back behind our garden, which is farm fenced on one side, and then it is fenced in just by the garden fence on the other. And it's a large grassy area, and we let them out into that area while our garden is growing. Mm-hmm. And then when the garden is finished for the year, we take part of that fence down so they have that area plus the garden area. Okay. Um, to run. So fall and winter and early spring, they have a little bit of a, they have a larger area to run, but um, they also have an enclosed run that we um, put plastic panels up on in the winter to keep the wind off of them if it's real cold. Um, so they do have um, an outdoor place to go. So they're not literally, you know, cooped up all the time. They have a little more area to, uh, to spread out a little bit. Mm-hmm. When the weather's not good. I guess I don't even know. Are you more of a suburban homestead, or are you in the country, or with acres, or what? We, we are about um, five miles outside of our of our closest town. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do have um, we have neighbors around us. They're not real close, 
they're close enough, you know, that we could go over and and see our neighbors, but they aren't uh, they aren't right next door. Right. So I we have about three or four acres probably on each side between us and the next home. Okay. okay. Uh, so we we are about five minutes from town, which is nice. Yeah. Um, near oh, yeah. town, it's about five thousand people, so we have all your the grocery and the bank and all that good stuff not too far away. Yeah, yeah. Now, are you uh, looking to get in any other animals with that kind of property, or are you just sticking with just chickens? We would like to, and that's something we've talked about for a while. We have some friends of ours who raise miniature Hereford cows, which okay. we think would be wonderful. We would have to do some rearranging of our property. The mm-hmm. only area that we would have for them, unfortunately, is where our septic area is and our leach fields, and we know they wouldn't be good for no, that area. No. So. Yeah. We would have to probably move the garden and um, to the other side of the property um, and then maybe build a smaller barn that we could house them in. So that has been talked about. This year we are planning on putting bees out. Mm, we know yeah. they won't take much room, <laughs> no. but we are uh, <laughs> we are looking forward to putting some beehives out this oh, year. Yeah. Great for garden. Um, Absolutely, absolutely, and put that out. We do have some um, – we have kind of a small orchard on the other side of our property. Okay. And we have several apple trees, um, pear, and um, cherry trees. And so we're thinking about putting the bees back in that area, too, to um, help yeah. with the uh, fruit production over there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, I, I assume you've done your homework on those uh, miniature cattle. I mean, how much space do they need per per animal, do you know? That was what I was curious about, and when I was speaking um to our friends who have them because I was wondering if we had room we have about an extra I'd say almost an acre that's really not in use right now mm-hmm. we use it primarily as a uh, it's a baseball field is what it's used for most yeah. of the time but um she said it is three miniature herfords per acre oh wow um she, so I was pleasantly surprised to hear yeah. that we probably would have room for those um uh, as compared to a, a full-size Hereford that takes one acre per cow. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm sure you still have to. Uh, it seems to me that they'd still, you'd still have to give them quite a bit of supplemental feed. They wouldn't be able to just graze all the time. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. Herd, yeah. A lot. But, yeah, that definitely is a big difference, though. And I don't know what's, uh, what kind of weight difference is there between those and the full-size cattle. I mean, I mean, how much meat uh, difference would there be? Um, probably quite a bit. I know when they, when I've spent time um, with um, with them and seen them, height wise, the top of their back would come up to about not even quite my shoulder. Uh-huh. So size wise, they are much much smaller and much easier to handle. Yeah. Um, but I'm definitely not not the amount of meat. Although I've been told that the meat from them is very very good. Yeah. Yeah. I've not um, had a lot of experience around those, so I haven't. I've seen pictures of them, and they they look just like a normal cow to me, but just a lot shorter. <laughs> they just real they short do. legs. They are. <laughs> They would just, uh, with what's a lot, full size are so much more intimidating. These are mm-hmm. not nearly as intimidating, although I'm sure they're still, you know, pretty heavy. And, oh, and yeah. But um, they just, uh, they seem to have a sweet disposition. And mm-hmm. um, again, the smaller size would definitely be easier to handle. Sure, sure. And just For less, sure. less feed cost and everything else, I'm sure. So. Yes. Know. Well, yeah, that could be an interesting uh, uh, avenue to go down. I'm sure lots to learn there. Oh yeah, so it's um thankfully if we have people that we could um kind of pick their minds a little bit and 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 have them help us along. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, the shelter right now would be our biggest thing. We don't have a full-size barn. So yeah. um to be able to to be able to house them um and uh, be able to move the garden around, which could definitely be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would definitely be a, a neat avenue to go. We've not tried to have any meat animals, so that would be a, a neat way to go. We've considered the meat chickens mm-hmm. as well, and and that could be a future thing too to yeah. to uh, to give that a shot. And especially not being a, such a long term um, time investment, right. that being just a seven or eight week investment to see how that would go. Yeah, and you definitely um, have the room for that. So we could run some uh, tractors out through there. And yes. Yeah, that would yes, that's what we well. we keep looking at the property, and we know that we have room to do more, and it's finding that balance. I work part time, and my husband works full time, and it's we we definitely want to try more, but keeping that balance of 
not doing too much that we overwhelm ourselves, but we also hate to see that there's there's area out there we could definitely be utilizing for yeah, something yeah. more. Still play baseball out there. You just have to be a little more careful where you step. That's all. <laughs> yes, he would, he would have to be careful. <laughs> but he told me, because you can't do that with my baseball field, but I think we could probably do something around that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> well, I didn't mean to change the subject a minute ago. You were talking about your bees, and I'm curious about going back to that. Uh, have, you, have you thought about what kind of hives you would do? Would you just do the standard hives or uh, something different we, there? We would probably do a standard hive. We've been kind of trying to do our homework and – um, that's it's totally uncharted territory mm-hmm. for both of us. So um, I think we'll probably just start out with like a single hive this year. I know we were looking at the unassembled hives, you know, just kind mm-hmm. of the kits that come with everything you need to get started. And um, my husband's pretty handy, and I know he could. Um, he said he could put that together. So yeah. we just thought about starting with one and hopefully building on from there. There's so many options out there to choose from mm-hmm. yeah. um, to to get started um, to get started there. But um, that's the, definitely again kind of uncharted territory. But I'm excited to get into it and um, and see how that works out. Hopefully, we can get one hive going this year and hopefully add on to it. But probably the to, the ten frame hives is just what I, we've been looking at mm-hmm. for this year to put one out um, more of a standard hive. Yeah this year um and and hopefully it'll help the garden along and um help the fruit trees along some as well um we hope to add a few more fruit trees out there as, uh this year we don't have any peach trees and um hopefully having some some bees out there would help get those going mm-hmm. along as well oh yeah yeah definitely uh, now let's go back to your garden what kind of things are you growing in your garden Oh my! <laughs> that is probably huh? <laughs> everything. That is that is probably this this time of year I get so squirrely because that's where I like to be is out in the garden. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, I oh, it's so it's so much fun. Um, definitely it starts in the early spring. We do um, potatoes, onions. I put out the kale, the lettuce. Um, usually in the early spring and the spinach. And then I, I do try to start my own seedlings. I kind of had a bit of a fail last year and used mm. some not good potting soil to get my seeds started. So I am going to have to buy a few more seeds this year. Um, but um, we'll do, and then we'll do the tomatoes, peppers, um, cucumbers, squash, corn. Um, usually we'll put out some pumpkins. Um, I like to try to grow some pumpkins for the nieces and nephews. They didn't mm-hmm. quite come out. Uh, last year, weather-wise, those did not do well for me, but I'll try them again this year. Um, we do cabbage. Golly, pretty much a little bit of it. I think like I dabble in a little bit of everything and then uh, try a little, a new thing or two every year just to yeah. see if, uh, just to experiment and, and see what will go good out there. But generally... Anything from spring to fall that I can put out there, I will. Lots of sunflowers for the chickens. Mm-hmm. They like yeah. the seeds. So I was going to ask you that if you actually plant anything for just the bird feed, if you would you know, plant anything specifically for that. Yeah, I do. We do those big, uh, the Russian mammoth sunflowers, mm-hmm. and they really love the seeds from that. So once they dry, we'll just cut them down and... Um, Sona will save some of the seeds behind, but a lot of times they just like to have those seed heads whole and yeah. um, give them one every couple of days, and they really like that. I grow those too. Those you get an amazing amount of seeds from those. Oh, you are! It's incredible how much, and you save a handful, and you've got plenty for the next year oh, too. Oh yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they grow so tall and so big. <laughs> I use they, them almost like a, 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 a as like a screen between me and my neighbor's house. I just grow a bunch of them right there, and you, it just makes a wall. Oh, absolutely, and they're so beautiful. Mm-hmm. They are so beautiful. That was um, my, I always remember my grandmother planting those, and so that that's always one thing I'm sure to get out there every year. Um, but yeah, I do enjoy those, and we do have we have the uh, we have strawberries and blackberries, mm-hmm. and uh, an asparagus bed that you know we get asparagus out of in the spring. Okay, now you've had those established for a long time, have you? Yeah, we planted the blackberries. We were very fortunate we're here when we moved in. Mm-hmm. And so they, it was a nice blackberry hedge. And we were very fortunate that all the fruit trees that we have were here on the property as well when we bought the property. Yeah. Um, so we got really fortunate there. We planted the strawberries. We had had a bunch. And I'm sure you remember, too, back in the winter 2014 mm-hmm. when it just got so brutally cold, yeah. we did lose all of them. Yeah. Uh, so we replanted those. We haven't had much luck 
with blueberries or raspberries. I just don't think we have enough acid in our soil, and I've just yeah. not been able to get enough acid in it to really get those going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would I, love them, but they don't seem to like it here. <laughs> I had to import some uh, pine needles around mine for mulch and kept doing that and kept doing that, and it finally started producing pretty good. Oh, great idea. Mm-hmm. I have not tried that. Yeah. Uh, how about your asparagus bed? I mean, you guys established that, or was that something that was already there? Or? That was that was something we put in, okay. and um, when we uh, we had moved in, we'd lived here just a year or two, and we planted not many. I think I just put out ten starts just to kind of see how they do, and um, they did really well. So we added uh, several more, and it's a it's a, not a huge bed. Mm-hmm. It's about I'd say maybe eight foot by six foot. It's not real big, but it does produce quite a bit of asparagus every spring for yeah. us. Which is nice to have that coming back every year. Oh, yeah. I get excited um, about the perennials. I mean, anything you can plant and just, you know, it just keeps giving year after year after year. I, I love that. I mean, it takes a little bit to establish, but mm-hmm. once you get them going, they're just great. Oh, it's worth it. It's, and I know you were talking about um, in another podcast about your herbs mm-hmm. and um, your comfrey and your herbs. And that is something else I, I really enjoy, too, especially yeah. the perennial herbs that come mm-hmm. back every year. Um, we do the oregano and thyme and mint and, um, which goes crazy. Yeah. You gotta be careful, gotta be careful where you <laughs> plant all that because it will take over. <laughs> yes, it will. Very quickly. I learned that the hard way with lemon balm. That mm-hmm. will really, that'll really go yeah. if you're not careful. And I've learned that the hard way. Um, and the, ch- and, uh, chives and what else we have out there and the lavender that comes back every year. It's always so nice. I always look forward to all of that and, and, to dry the uh, dry the herbs and make sachets and whatnot out of them to have mm. them all year is so nice. Yeah, yeah. The only good thing about those herbs taking over and getting all over your yard, I guess, when you mow your yard, you get a nice smell from it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do because I, I I hear it a lot. It's like I smell onions. Well, that yeah. was those chives have uh, have invaded the yard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do seem to find their way out there, don't they? Yes, yeah, they do. <laughs> means yeah. I guess that means they're doing well because they really like to go. So yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, that's a lot. That's um, I really enjoy those a lot, and I, I try to bring those in the house, the herbs, and mm-hmm. and uh, and use those as much through the winter as I can. Just dehydrate. You have a dehydrator, or just yeah, I have a I have a dehydrator. It's um, it's just one one of the round mm-hmm. ones that have like the six stackable trays in there, but it does have a temperature regulator, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do. I dry a lot of those. I dry a lot of the um. I dry some of the things from the garden too. I like to dry the kale um, and spinach and crumble that up and hide it in things. I have uh, <laughs> my son's not crazy about it, but he I hide it in a lot of things, so he I'm okay. <laughs> that yeah. dehydrator comes yeah. in really good for that. Sure, sure, yeah. I tried like I, I love kale raw, but when I you know, like people make kale chips and things, and I'll try kale chips, and I just don't like those. But a lot of people say, oh, it's the best. And I'm just like, I'm not a fan. <laughs> no, it has, has a different, it, it's a, I don't know if it's a, the texture or what it is, but I'm with you. I'm not, I'm not a fan of that either, but it's great crumbled up like in stews. I'll crumble yeah. it up and put it in stews or soups or mm-hmm. sneak a little of the vitamins in there, and I, you, it, it hides in there pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's the thing. I think so many people... Uh, and they get into homesteading don't think about i mean they, they're all about growing and raising and, and doing all these things but the longer i do this the more i'm convinced that you know preparation cooking you know using these things up is is probably one of the most important skills because if you just don't know what to do with it, it it's like i said earlier it just doesn't do you any good and you got to find ways to use it absolutely and it's sometimes especially like if there's an over you have a year of overabundance Mm-hmm. And which is a blessing, and at the same time, you're you're looking at it all, going, "Oh my golly, now what am I? What do I do with it all?" Yeah, if you don't <laughs> if you don't uh, preserve it somehow, it's not going to last very long. <laughs> I'm just sitting there. Absolutely, you put so much work into it, you hate you just hate to waste anything, right. and and um, I feel that way too. If mm-hmm. I I try to freeze it, can it, dehydrate it, um, I've kind of am. Just started trying to ferment a few things. This is kind of a new thing for me to try to mm-hmm. make some kraut and and ferment a little bit, which is which is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some science experiments going on, say in the <laughs> kitchen, but um, so far most of it's turning out pretty well. Yeah, yeah. sauerkraut was kind of my first thing going into the fermenting, and it's really easy. It's just you, you know if you don't know how to do it, you don't know how to do it. 
Absolutely. And it, it seems a little intimidating mm-hmm. at first to, um, uh, now I did my, my first batch of pickles. It wasn't real great. The kraut turned out good. I fa- found that you can't let the pickles go quite as long yeah. and, um, they, they won't, uh, they won't hold up, but, um, just to see what other ways to uh, to preserve the harvest, to, yeah. you know, and and different flavors and different ways to cook and eat it, and and uh, yeah, it's it's um it's definitely it's an ongoing learning process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just recently, uh, well, it was recently a few months ago, learned how to make sourdough bread, and that felt like a science project too. And it really is oh. so easy to you know make a starter and and do it, but it it just seems so overwhelming at first before you start doing it, and it's like, oh, well, that was easy. Exactly. It's just it, it's um I I I haven't made sourdough in so long and it is so wonderful and I I my family doesn't eat gluten free but I do mm-hmm. and uh, learning how to bake gluten free bread just like you said it's like it seemed very very intimidating and it's like wow that seems really hard but now that I've kind of stepped into it a little bit it's like okay that wasn't quite as bad as what I thought it was yeah, going to be yeah. and that's and how it's it a lot all cheaper than buying it oh yeah yeah definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't. Absolutely. I, I find though, and I think I've talked about this before. Uh, it, it's funny how you make these these things from scratch, homemade, and it just it's so easy and, it, and it's so much cheaper. But at the same time, you can't just leave it sitting around like you do the store bought stuff. And it just shows you how many preservatives are in those things because it will go bad so much quicker than store bought stuff. Oh yes, it does. Within a, sometimes a matter of a couple of days, and mm-hmm. that's, I, I, it's surprising. It's like, oh my goodness, that bread and after three days is not looking very good. Yeah, and, and it, it is. But it makes it's so much better for you. Yeah, yeah. It just makes you really, you know, realize just just what they're putting in that to make that hold up like that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's and it makes you not want it anymore. Mm-hmm. It really does after that because you just you want to know. Uh, for your health, what you're feeding yourself and feeding your family. Yeah, and and you know it's that's really been my you know reason for getting into this stuff as much as I have was for health reasons. And most people, I think it's it's that you know it probably comes from a love of it from when we're kids too. I mean, like you mentioned, uh, seeing your grandparents and being around your grandparents mm-hmm. doing those things. And I had that experience as well, but you know you get away from it a little bit. But then. Seems like it. Uh, there's things that bring you back. You start you start hearing about the health crisis, and you, you hear about you know just the things that's going in our food and and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And and it's a it's a great time to get get yourself motivated and, and to get back into something like this if it's something that a person loves or used to love or thought a lot about. It is, and then, you know you think it's like your your grandparents did, and mine as well. They they planted a seed, um, literally, you know, very long ago, you know, uh, within myself, and and it didn't really come about till I was older, and it came about just a little bit at a time. But oh, maybe I'll try to grow some flowers, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah, maybe we'll we'll grow a few tomatoes, and then you realize how much better you feel along with doing those things, and it all just kind of comes together of you know, how much it's benefiting your family and um, benefiting your health. Um, mm-hmm. You went through some health issues. I went through some several years ago, and and you realize that whatever they're putting in your food at the store can really make you feel lousy yep. and um, and how rewarding it is to be able to, to learn how to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's an ongoing process. I feel all, all the time I'm wanting to try something new and, and – uh, and see if I can make it myself, and it's so rewarding. Um, I, I try, yeah, I do make some of our soaps and cleaning supplies and things like that. And to mm-hmm. know that you're not bringing those chemicals in your house is just such a good feeling. And there's just there's an endless number of things to learn too. It just seems like there's you could never learn it all. And it's just if you're if you're a person who loves to learn how to do new things, there's just so many things you can do. Oh, there is, and it's it, every time I get into a, a new book or a new you know, you find a new site or, you know, if I'm if I'm looking around on your on your Facebook page and I see, you know, other homesteaders are trying mm-hmm. different things. And I'm like, oh, that sounds like fun. Let's yeah. try that, too. Yeah. And there is there's so many things out there that it's it's, um, it's endless. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that you make your own soaps and things. How'd you get into that? Same way, just browsing around. Thought, I want to try that or. Yeah, I have um, a a friend of ours did a demonstration at church one evening several years ago. We were just, all the ladies were getting together and showing each other things that we knew how to make just to kind of expand everybody's horizons a little bit. And um, she came in and she made um, a batch of cold processed soap. 
And I'm like, I had no idea that people did that. I mean, that just really kind of blew my mind. And and so I made a couple batches of cold process on my own and then found the hot process soap uh, recipes um, for crock pots. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing it that way. And um, which I find for myself to be a little bit easier and it's a little bit um faster reward you don't have to wait quite as long for your soap to be ready it's done mm-hmm. within about a day and it's i couldn't believe how much more i liked it than the soap i had been buying at the store and then i think i read the back of a uh, a body wash label <laughs> and i thought <laughs> oh my goodness what have we been using <laughs> yeah there's uh... and uh, another one of those awakening moments of i think i can do this better Oh yeah, yeah. The chemicals that we have around us is, is just unbelievable, and when when we welcome it, we bring it in, you know, and we just make it part of our yeah. lives. And it's like, what are we doing? Yes, until you have that that aha moment of mm-hmm. I didn't know whatever I put on my skin went in went into my body and affected my health, and mm-hmm. so that was. Um, that is that's an enjoyable hobby. That's something I like to do in the winter time, and that's yeah. probably something I'll be doing this winter is catching up on on making soaps and things of that nature to kind of restock. Yeah, uh, restock us a little bit and things like that. Yeah, I find a lot mm-hmm. of those things work just as well too. The the homemade, you know, things like laundry. We make our own laundry soap and, and things like that. And mm-hmm. It's so much cheaper and it works just as well. And, and you know, I I just wonder why we didn't always do that. You know, when I think about it. I do too, and you wonder where that shift took place from mm-hmm. where everybody did it themselves for so long, and then it just—I don't know—I just became easier to just grab it at the store, and then I thought, well, no, this really isn't easy, or I can take five minutes of my own time yeah. to make it, and like I said, save so much money. Yeah, yeah. In the meantime, right? Um, it, especially to keep them um, keep prices and the cost down uh, here at the homestead is is a great thing. Um, means I can try out a few more of the new of the new uh, things I see people try, and I yeah. would definitely like to try to keep costs down as and, much as possible. You know, that's I I love doing the podcast and running the website and stuff. But I think one of the things I'm, I like about it most is all the new things I learn because I just, I get to talk to folks like you and other people, and and I think well, I want to try that now. You know, and I hear about <laughs> all these things, and I go, oh, I got to get into that. And and you know, there's so many reasons uh, to homestead, and of course, one is the health, and that's a big one for me. But mm-hmm. again, we mentioned it just the the money involved in it. I mean, it can actually save you so much money uh, living a homesteading lifestyle. And you know what? I just, food tastes so much better grown at home. It really does. I mean, oh, there's yes, all these does. reasons to, to go down this path. And, and you know, it's, uh, I just don't understand why everybody doesn't do it. I look back on my life and when I wasn't doing it, and I kind of try to figure out, okay, why wasn't I? And, you know, a lot of it is we just, it's kind of like the golden handcuffs thing. You just get to live in a life and, and you don't know anything else, and you kind of trap yourself into this a, a different mm-hmm. kind of lifestyle. You do, and it's 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 easy to get. Um, I almost use the term "get stuck in a rut," but mm-hmm. you almost kind of do. It's like you just start out doing one thing, and that's just what you keep doing all the time. It just yeah. becomes normal. And I I've done the same thing, and look back and said, "Oh my golly, I wish I would have started this sooner." Um, even though we started. We just started small at different places we lived, and it was just really with the garden. And we just kind of always had a little garden, and I didn't do much more beyond that until we, uh, till we came here to this homestead. And, and all it took was my husband looking around the backyard, going, "I think we would have room for chickens," and that was kind of <laughs> it. I was, I was in, and it was done at that point. That's all you heard was, I "Let's was get some chickens." Ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yes, all I heard was chickens, and it was full speed ahead. I'm like, well, when can you start building a coop? Yeah. And um, and but it just it really has. It's just kind of snowballed from there. And like you said, and saving money. I've been um, I was a stay at home mom for the first 12 years. Um, my our son's 15, and for the first 12 years, I stayed at home um, all this full time. And so it was. I was always penny pinching and and looking for ways to save and and definitely once I really got the got the nerve to pull out that pressure canner and learn how to use it and start uh, like you said baking bread and making jellies and pickles mm-hmm. and um, and cleaning supplies and learning where I could not only cut corners financially but it was so much better for us it really just yeah. completely snowballed from oh, there yeah. yeah it gets a hold of you and takes over and and you know it, it, I find it consumes a lot of my thoughts but I'm okay with that <laughs> <laughs> 
I am too. I'm the same way. It's uh, um, it's like, like I told you, this is my favorite topic, and it's something I could probably talk about for hours because um, there's just it's there. It, to me, it's just joy. It's really joyful, yeah. and I just I, I haven't found a part of it that I don't enjoy, except for not having a heated chicken water, or which we didn't at first, and that's probably the only part I didn't enjoy was frozen water. Other than that, yeah. everything else is wonderful. <laughs> I know, it's zero degrees this morning. I'm out there, you know, I got some quail out there, and all their water was froze up, and I had oh. to get all that, you know, unthawed and fresh water. And, yeah, there's there's things about it. I mean, we, you know, well, you know, I posted in the in the front porch the other day in our, in our uh, Facebook group about, you know, the struggles of homesteading there. Not everything's perfect. People make mistakes and things go wrong. And yes. we talk a lot about the good stuff, but there's plenty of bad stuff that comes along with it too. And it's hard work and there's things you got to mm-hmm. do. And, and, but you know, to me, that's, that's part of the enjoyment of it. And, and also even when things go wrong, you learn and you grow and, and, and you know, mm-hmm. and, and it just part of, it's just part of life, you know, nothing, nothing's perfect. And, and if anything's going to be worth a value to you, it's not going to be super easy. You're going to have to put some work into it. Absolutely. If, if it's uh, it's uh, if it's not always hard work, it's not always worth doing because mm-hmm. that means you like, you're not growing and stretching and learning and and yeah, I enjoyed that thread about different homesteading mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I think I've posted a few things yeah. on there myself. Yeah. We've <laughs> I've uh, caught my I've caught myself on fire on the stove trying to do my from scratch cooking which isn't always the best idea when you're when you're tired and (laughs) (laughs) and uh you know losing baby chicks and Mm -hmm. and there's always there's always something but it's always learning Yeah, yeah and uh and um, and it seems like though once you make those mistakes, you seem to find a better way to do it than what you than what you thought in the first place right right and that's just all part of it Absolutely, it adds it adds to all of it, and um, and so we just we we look to grow, and we we hate to grow too fast because you don't want to make errors. I'm always afraid of that of of uh, of jumping in headfirst and and not plan. I, sometimes I overplan, I believe, mm-hmm. and and not uh, and not plan as much. But I also don't want to. I hate to delay too much either. It's just trying to grow, maybe slow but steady might be the best word for that, and and figure out what to uh, besides the bees and some trees, what to add next. Yeah, you've got some big plans there. I mean, the possible cattle and the bees and more trees and you know maybe more, uh, you, maybe more bushes. I don't know. Maybe blackberries, blueberries. Maybe try the blueberry thing again someday. I mean, there's so many ways you can go if you've got some land to try different things. You know. Absolutely, definitely, and it's uh, and. Sometimes it's overwhelming sometimes, but in an exciting way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the it's the what can we do next, and um, definitely things that me or um, my husband works uh, when he works, he works a twenty four hour shift. So mm-hmm. when you know something that each of us can handle if we're here just on our own, um, you know, for a day or two to to be able to handle things by ourselves, which we usually do just mm-hmm. fine. Especially now that I've got an able bodied teen who can go out there and. Uh, <laughs> And, and help out too. Um, Gotta be careful with that yeah. though, because then you take on a whole bunch because of that, and then one day they grow up and move out, and then, and then you're back to, oh no, <laughs> I gotta do this myself. <laughs> yeah, he threatens that sometimes. <laughs> and that, <laughs> he's like, Mom, I'll be going to college in a couple of years. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I, I have to bear that in mind. <laughs> I have to, down, have to down, downsize some things at some point, <laughs> prepare for that. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, but, um, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's just, an, it's just an exciting process and, uh, yeah. and we, we definitely enjoy it. It's, um, we are one of the only ones of our friends, except for, you know, some of our neighbors around here who do some similar things mm-hmm. that get into it as much as we do. But, um, it's, for us, it's just, uh, a way of life. I don't think that we would ever want to change. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. What about the, the community aspect of it? I mean, do you feel like it's important to try to convince other other people that, you know, these are some good ideas and things you should you should bring into your life? I do. I just think that um, uh, to have more of a local food movement is mm-hmm. so important. Um, I know I was recently reading and actually I'm in the middle of reading a, a book by Joel Salatin mm. and just about how and this is something I haven't dabbled into. I'm not sure if you have either just being in the we're being in the same climate and growing things in the winter. Well, you are you are you got your greenhouse, which I am envious, mm-hmm. by the way, of your greenhouse. Um, <laughs> yeah. That is something I pondered <laughs> as well. <laughs> I bet you are. It looks fantastic. Um, but how can we um 
feed ourselves better where we are. And Mm -hmm. instead of having to ship food from so far and and just bringing it into the community of, yeah, we can feed ourselves a little better on our own. Mm -hmm. Um, Say most of our neighbors out here, we are one of the few plots of land out here that's that's two acres. Most of our area was divided into five acre plots. And so most of our neighboring um, neighbors out in our area have five acres apiece. But beyond having a little garden, most of them don't use it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would love to see um, our neighbors who who are able to to um, and in our area be able to grow some of their own food, even if it's just in to, in pots of tomatoes on their back porches. Wow. Um, if they're not able just to be able to um, that that we could feed ourselves better mm-hmm. and 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 save money at the same time. Yeah, I'm not against lawns. I just think we need a little bit less lawn in the United States or even around the world, you know, and a little bit more food, you know. There's so much land being wasted in a lot of ways. Most people look at their lawns and say, well, I don't feel like I'm wasting it. You know, I enjoy my lawn. I like spending time out there and doing things, and that's fine. I think having a lawn is fine, but Mm -hmm. we could utilize our space so much better and grow some food uh, around that lawn in different places and in different ways, and, and, you know, the whole world would be better off for it. Uh, It would just do so much. I mean, it's got environmental benefits. Of course, it's got yeah, um, a benefit to society as far as feeding locally and, and health benefits mm-hmm. and just so many things that it's, I, I believe that it's, it's something worth encouraging others to do. And, and I feel like, I guess you believe the same thing. Oh, I do. Absolutely. And I think that's one of my own kind of a uh, little bit of a hang up when I see that area that we have um, on our property that isn't growing anything right now. It's <laughs> just, it, it, and I think, oh my goodness, we should do something with this. Yeah. And um, but I, I know in time that will probably that'll happen. Um, but you think of who can that feed? And our nearest city is Dayton, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, large city is Dayton, and Dayton is considered one of the largest food deserts in our and in, in the country. Yeah. And I look at that and I think, wow, how can uh, how locally can we fix that problem? Yeah. yeah. Um, for people in our in our city, and so um, I'm. Hoping even though our you know our little town and maybe some little towns around um, that surround Dayton can uh, and other major cities can can look at things like that like you said and not have mm-hmm. quite as much lawn grow a little more food and uh, and help out our local neighbors. Sure, and I've been you know I really uh, am big on promoting the 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 urban homesteading movement too because. Uh, you have a couple acres there, but you don't need a couple acres. I mean, you can do it on a, on a small city lot and grow a mm-hmm. lot of your own food. And, and I, I really try to help people understand that, you know, you don't have to live in the country. I think country life is awesome. I grew up in the country. I love the country. You know, there's so much more you can do there, but you take what you've got and do something with it. And if it's what you've got, if you've got a little, little lot in town with a small backyard, you can, you can do a lot with that. Oh, absolutely. The house that we um, owned before we moved here, we were um, in a plat on a cul-de-sac, and we had your typical neighborhood fenced-in backyard, mm-hmm. and and we did. We, we weren't able to have any animals there, but we did keep a really large garden there as much as we could, and um, of course had to have room for the kiddo to play, but on the side of the yard, we had um, a large garden, and we had still grew our herbs and flowers mm-hmm. and plants there and tried to utilize the, utilize it as much as we could. Yeah, yeah. And I think you can do so much in a smaller in a in a smaller space. Sure. Just as much as you could out here where we are. Yeah, yeah, you can. I mean, it just depends on how intense you want to be about it and how much work you want to put into it. And and that's I've went down that road, you know, and and I don't expect everybody to do everything I do, but at the same time you can do something, you know. I think everybody should be growing a few edible plants in their in their lawn somewhere. Oh yes, put out put out a couple of herbs and um, and even before we had our garden at our last home, before we were able to put the garden in, I had tomato plants growing around the foundation of my house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, you just put it. I just was willing to put it wherever I could put it, and um, and I think you can really make a lot. And even at that, if you don't have a lot of room, you can put a couple herbs on your windowsill, mm-hmm. and you can still. Make a batch of soap, make your laundry soap, um, yeah. make your cleaners and utilize your farmer's market and help out your local um, your local farmers that you have around you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Not You don't have to grow everything. And matter of fact, you can't. <laughs> you can't grow and raise everything. Even on a large no. piece of property, it's very difficult uh, to do everything you need. 
but it is utilize those local farmers and, and farmers markets Absolutely. And if I have, um, I had a few things this past year that did not do well. My squash did not do well, and neither did my cucumbers. And I was very thankful that uh, our local uh, uh, farmer's market had plenty. (laughs) I was very grateful for that. We buy a lot of the farmer's market as well. I mean, there's only, like I said, there's only so much you can do. But uh, And you know what? Even there, you go there, you get the stuff, you bring it home, and you still still make a practice out of preserving that food and doing things with it Mm -hmm. and, and preparing it in a way that's more healthy and and, uh, you know, and, and what we would consider, you know, practicing some homesteading skills with that. Just because you didn't grow, it doesn't mean you can't uh, take it to the next step. Absolutely. And uh, and it's still, it still, it will keep you healthier and it'll still save you money in the long run. Mm-hmm. The farmer's market, I find the prices are, are much better than our local grocery. Yep. And you know what you're getting and you knew who grow your, you knew, uh, who, who grew it. Yeah, exactly. And, and where it came from. That's well, so important. I won't uh, hold you up all day on this uh, beautiful zero-degree day. Uh, (laughs) Would you have some advice for folks uh, getting into homesteading, just something you'd like to tell them, maybe uh, overcome some fears or what to start first or anything like that? Sure. I would – with with us, it was the garden. That was – if if you want to start somewhere – Put a couple pots on your patio this year and grow some tomatoes and peppers and some basil um, or some cilantro and grow something Mm -hmm. you can make a salad of, uh, something you can make salsa from. Um, Just get get your hands into the dirt and just really enjoy being outside and, and and don't be afraid. Like with myself, I was afraid of canning. I just, um, put the horror stories aside <laughs> and um, and do your homework and follow the instructions, which is the yep, biggest thing. Yep. Follow the directions, check your seals on your canner, check your vents and make sure they're they're clean and um, and it's 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 not as hard as you think and I can promise you i if anybody if I can do it, anybody can do it <laughs> and um, I truly mean that i mean i I just start try to start one thing at a time or mm-hmm. well sometimes two <laughs> sometimes too much yeah I, I, got you. I, I get a little anxious yeah. but um a little uh, a little excited to start more than one thing but um if anybody if anybody can um anybody can do it if i can uh, I have no doubt about it just start where um See what sparks your interest. Mm-hmm. If it, if it's a garden or if it's having just a couple of chickens in your backyard or like yourself having some quail or some rabbits, if mm-hmm. you're in a smaller space, rabbits are awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, for our, um, We did have some at one point. We had just as a, uh, a learning um, project for our son, he kept some rabbits just for responsibility purposes, yeah. really, yeah. Um, just, just to start out and... Um, and just do it. Definitely don't wait any longer. If if something sparks your interest, give it a try. I think it's I think it's really good advice. And what I find is if you can get somebody to plant one or two things and just start, it, like we talked about earlier, it kind of becomes an addiction, and you want more and more and more. And uh, next thing you know, you turn into a kind of a nutcase like me, and you want to turn your entire <laughs> little backyard into a farm. So, <laughs> but that's okay. I think it's I think it's got some great benefits. So it is advice. okay, and I think it's it's one of the best hobbies you can have. And, yeah, uh, I do too. Uh, and I'm I'm the same way. I think we are of the same mindset, and it's um and I and say it is so enjoyable. I wouldn't. I can't imagine not doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Jill, I'll let you go, but I will encourage folks to uh, join the Homestead Front Porch Facebook group. You're in there hanging out and talking all the time, mm-hmm. and, and we're sharing uh, sharing our information and, and receiving a bunch as well. And uh, I would encourage people to, to pop in there and, and get to know you better by having a chat with you. Well, that sounds great. I've really enjoyed talking to you today. And it's been great. Thanks, Jill, for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Harold. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, I know you enjoyed that conversation I had with Jill. There was a lot of a lot of uh, just great nuggets in that conversation. Uh, just hearing about what she was doing, but also just the encouragement uh, that she gives to uh, to those who are thinking about getting into homesteading, and just her uh, her attitude towards homesteading and wanting to be a learner and somebody who experiments and tries new things and and just wants to ever expand. Uh, her homesteading skills and knowledge and I just love her passion for homesteading Um, and you know Jill had mentioned to me uh, before we started recording that uh, she was probably thinking about getting back to uh, blogging about her homestead and I encourage her to do that because it sounds like she has a lot to offer and and I enjoy 
hearing about the things she's doing and uh, I'm sure she would have uh, a lot of great pictures and things like that to add to a blog that we could all look at. So if she does that, Jill, if you do that, you give me that uh, link when you start that and I will share it on my page because I would be happy to send some traffic your way for your blog and uh, let folks benefit from that. Also, I want to encourage you folks to go be part of the Homestead Front Porch Facebook group. It's the official Facebook group of the Modern Homesteading Podcast. That sounded like a sales pitch, didn't it? Uh, no, go be a part of that. There is some great folks hanging out in there. And you know what? We talk about homesteading and we talk about other things too. I mean, we're, we're just part of people, each other's lives in that group. And I enjoy the, I enjoy the conversations and the time spent in there. And uh, I haven't been in there as much here recently because I've been working so much. I've had some long hours, but I get in there every chance I get and chat it up. And uh, I enjoy reading all the all the posts and things in there. So search Facebook for Homestead Front Porch and ask to join, and we'll get you in there. It's a closed group, but that's all you have to do to join is ask. Also, uh, I've been trying once a week at least to do a live video event at my website at smalltownhomestead.com forward slash live. Uh, we've had a couple so far. I'm actually doing one tonight as I'm recording this here in just a few hours. I'm going to be um, doing one on building a uh, fodder system for feeding small livestock. It's going to be an inexpensive, real easy to do, real easy build on how to put together one. Uh, so I hope you'll st- uh, come in for that at Probably by the time you get this podcast, it might be too late, uh, but there will be a replay there. You uh, you can watch the replay, or you can even go to YouTube and watch it there. If you go to YouTube, I would encourage you to subscribe to my YouTube channel. There's going to be a lot of those going up, uh, hopefully, over the next several weeks, months. And uh, you know what? YouTube's not something I've really utilized like I, I want to, and I'm going to start doing that. That's kind of my one of my New Year's resolutions this year, to really start doing a lot more with YouTube, do a lot more... A live video and even recorded videos and uh, I would encourage you to go and subscribe to my YouTube channel you can find that at smalltownhomestead.com just go to the top there and there's an icon that will take you to my uh, YouTube channel I really appreciate you all joining me on this podcast today and uh, join the front porch and get a hold of Jill I think you'll enjoy talking to her uh, she, she's got a lot of great advice in there all the time so um, thanks and uh Happy homesteading, and we'll talk to you next week. God bless. Thanks for listening. To see the show notes for this podcast or listen to other podcast episodes, go to smalltownhomestead.com. There you can also read our blog, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, and take advantage of the many resources we make available to help you along in your homesteading journey. Please share this podcast and help us to carry out our mission of helping others to homestead today for a better tomorrow.